Want to go far in business and in life? You can't do it alone. The secret is expanding your network of personal relationships, building friendships, connecting on an intimate level, away from the office, over a coffee or cocktail. Welcome to All In with the real Nate Payo. The show that asks what happens when you go all in and leverage the power of your network of personal relationships. Hello, hello. Welcome to the All In Podcast. This is Nate Pale. Of course, I'm your host. Um, today, I'm joined with Ralph Peterson. Ralph Peterson is a management coach. He's also a author. He's also a podcast host. He's out there helping people um, do a lot of things and uh, build a management teams within their industries they're at. So welcome to the show, Ralph. How are you? I'm doing really great. Thanks for having me on the show, Nate. Cool. So what, uh, what got you into podcasting? You know, actually, it's it total randomness got me into podcasting. I I got a job, so I'm a, I work in management. And when I first got into management, you when you start when you first get promoted, you get promoted to maybe an assistant or a supervisor. And then before long, if you're any good at that, you get promoted to the top spot. And then if you're any good at that, they they promote you above that. And so all of a sudden, I found myself having to hire managers. Instead of being the manager, I'm now hiring managers. Mm-hmm. And I was working in housekeeping, food service, laundry services, where, I don't know if you know this, but there aren't a lot of people who go to school to become a housekeeping supervisor. <laughs> so it's not like this profession, you can go, I need some housekeeping supervisors. What it turns out is housekeeping supervisors today were yesterday's best housekeeper. Mm-hmm. And so it's literally where you're looking for super workers and then you've got to try to promote them through. You've got to talk them into, first of all, taking the position as a supervisor because a lot of people don't want it. And then training them how to be an effective manager, which is a whole new ball of wax. And so while I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, the, the biggest trap is everyone says, you know, what you, all you have to do is teach them to be just like you and you'll be fine. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you might also tell me to feed the world one sandwich at a time. I mean, it's impossible for me to do by myself. So, I went to YouTube. This is in 2005. Mm-hmm. I went to YouTube and I'm looking for, you know, I'm looking for books. I'm looking for anything, magazine articles, anything that I can share with my brand new managers and to help them understand the, the minutia of managing. And I come across this video and it's called a fireside chat with an executive. And I'm like, okay, well, let's see what this is all about. And it's a woman in a red business suit and she is sitting by a fire and she starts talking about employee engagement and benefit programs. And I mean, five minutes in, I'm like, there's no chance I could share this with my team because that morning we were having a class on how to identify people who are on drugs. Mm-hmm. Because one of the problems we have in housekeeping is we, you know, accidentally hire people who come in stoned, high, drinking, and you've got to look for these signs because it can be a very dangerous situation. So she was clearly not at the level that we are at. 
She's working with professionals who went to school for whatever it is that she, I'm working with people who didn't even graduate high school. You know, like they've got very little emotional skills. Whereas, you know, so it was a way disconnect. And so I said, okay, maybe, maybe let's have a conference call every Friday. So I have 10 brand new managers and they're all running a housekeeping department in 10 different nursing homes. And every Friday we would have a call where it would just be an open forum. Who's got a question? Well, how, you know, this person is calling out all the time. I don't know what I should do about it. Or I've talked to her three times about it, but you know, she keeps giving me attitude or no, he literally slammed the door so hard. It came off the hinges and I was scared. So I didn't do anything. These are legit management problems, management questions. Like how do I handle it? How do I diffuse? How do I, and we're just going through and going through and going through it. And my friend Adam said, we should make this into a, one of those podcasts because this is super interesting. Everybody's yeah. learning. And that's how it happened. That's cool. That's cool. Long it's, story it's, short. It's, yeah. it's weird how things just kind of like, like click into place and you're like, Hey, you know, th- this question keeps getting asked this situation, this generic situation keeps coming up and like, let's, let's address it and talk about it. And it's like, Hey, why not have fun? And, and being in a podcast and so i'm sure your industry is very similar to mine i'm in um residential uh, development and the, the 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 thing is 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 you're around so many people and like the way they live it's just like no matter what you think could possibly happen like it has happened the people you probably see the stories you probably hear from from housekeepers about how people live their lives behind closed doors you know is, is probably so much different than what what people expect uh just seeing people on the the streets day to day so a million percent and it's real i just had a housekeeper get shot nine times Holy moly. Yeah. Uh, one of my housekeepers left work at 10.30 p.m. And by 11.15 was shot nine times. And when it's such a grounding moment for me because this isn't the first time it's happened, but all it does, it just highlights that this person who, by the way, got, got hurt, sweetest guy. Not You would never think for a minute that he's – any type of a person that would be involved with anybody who would do anything involving like a a drive-by shooting, which is what he was Mm -hmm. caught in. And the police have determined he was in his house when Mm -hmm. he got shot, like walking in a hallway when he got shot, drive-by shooting. And the police just determined that bad, you know, bad luck. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, that kind of thing. But if you go back even further, it's like, that is legit where they live. They live in that neighborhood where that kind of thing happens. Uh-huh. And so while I'm at work, I'm talking about pride and taking a pride in yourself and engagement and doing a good job and making sure everything is done properly and correctly. And when he goes home, nobody, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a reminder that you really gotta, you really have to, you really have to know that, uh, some people are in pretty bad situations and sometimes it's not even their fault. It's that, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, you know, he's a young guy who's making 12 bucks an hour, which is a pretty decent wage doing a non-skilled labor job, you know, it's housekeeping, night housing, just, you know, making money to, to pay rent, buy some pizza and hang out with a girlfriend. And, and he's in a situation where he gets shot. It's just, 
it's just crazy to your point. You know, you, you, when you start peeling back the layers of how people are living, where they're living, mm-hmm. you know, that's, like, oh no, that's crazy. Well, yeah. I, you know, my, it's kind of, I'm not sure I want to ask the question, but uh, it was leading to my question is, 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 do you think people are lucky and what are your thoughts on luck? But, you know, you just kind of gave an example of, of some bad luck situations, but you know, what, what is your take on that? Well, I think, I think, listen, if I'm going to be completely open and honest with you, I think, I think luck is the same thing as the next best story, the next best blockbuster movie, the next best iPhone, the next best uh, medical, um, the the greatest, the, the next best cure for the coronavirus, the next best cure for, for cancer. I believe human beings have the ability to solve all these problems Problem is we don't pay attention to it. And all of these things, luck, creativity, they are, they are quick to judge you. They'll come down and they'll give you an idea. They're like, hey, what about this? And you'll go, oh my God, that's such a great idea. And then luck will sit up there or the creativity will sit up there and they'll be watching you. Like, are you going to do anything with this story idea? Are you going to do anything with this? And no, no. I'm going to go to find somebody else because have you ever seen a product or heard a story or something be told and you're like, I had that same idea. Mm-hmm. It's because that creativity isn't staying with you. You know, as a matter of fact, I heard this great statistic or this great, I think it was, um, I can't think of who said it. It'll come to me, but he said, whatever can be created will be created. Mm-hmm. Now, either you're going to create it yourself right now, you're going to do the work. Or somebody 3,000 miles away is doing it. Are you going to outwork them or are you going to get outworked? Mm-hmm. Right? It's that kind of thing. And so I feel the same way with luck. I think that you are luck is either, either good luck. Like th- Let's talk about this kid, this housekeeper. We say it's bad luck because of the consequences of the situation. Not mm-hmm. because of the situation. Because ha- let's say he worked a little harder. What? Let's say he had... Uh, gone to school a little longer. Let's say he had studied a little harder, worked a little harder and was able to make a little more. And then he wouldn't have been in that neighborhood. And that same shooting happened. Mm-hmm. Now he could have been in that neighborhood, but he decided not to because he worked hard. He got himself out of it. Now what are you going to say? He's lucky. No, see, th- that's why I feel about it. I think that in luck, good luck or bad luck is going to follow your actions. Mm-hmm. And to some extent, you are in control of it. That does not mean that there are some random Tuesdays that cancer shows up, that you had you you were perfectly healthy. That does happen and that does suck. But I would say that more sucks than it is bad luck. Yeah. I I like your your take on this idea that that creativity um you know reaches down and picks you or and if you don't respond to it, it, it leaves. And it, to me, it's like this idea of like, if you're in the right, you know, you always hear this stuff, but somebody was in the right place at the right, right time or the wrong place at the wrong time. And you say to yourself like, okay, if, if I want creativity to come down and, and, and bless me with an opportunity or a, an idea, and I want to go solve the idea, like, those happen, you know, you sit on the couch that happens, but to, to, to act on it and take action, make something happen with it. You kind of need to be in a, in a place that 
you're you're you have support to to pursue creativity ideas and so so like i'm a big believer of like people that are in the right place at the right time tend to find the right places and hang out in them you know so like if you, if you have these ideas you you could be like the person that's like oh i had that idea you know somebody else beat me to it um but you know those things happen again and again, like you'll have an idea because there's problems that need to be solved and you'll have a solution for a problem you're facing. And if you're facing a problem, somebody else is probably facing a similar problem and it needs solving. And I think if you start noticing, hey, I have ideas to solve problems, I can either do something about it or I cannot do anything about it. And if you get into you do not something about it, you always be that person that said, hey, you know, um, gosh, that was my idea, but somebody beat me to it. Or you enact your idea and then somebody's going to go, man, that guy got lucky. He got, he was in the right place at the right time. And he, and he invented, you know, the next thing since sliced bread. And, and, you know, I wish I was that lucky. And it's like, it's not, it's really about taking action and, and being in places to make those type of things happen. Um, and making and, and taking action really. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that I, you know, the word luck means something happened without your influence, Mm -hmm. good or bad. It happened without your influence. And quite frankly, I just, I don't think that's a common thing. I just don't think that's common. I think that is super uncommon. And I think that, I think that what people say is luck is just hard work. Mm-hmm. And I think that what people, most people call bad luck is bad decisions. Yeah. Good luck is hard work and bad luck is bad decisions. It's not, it's not so, it's not so prevalent. You know, I think it, I think it's, I think to be lucky or unlucky is, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know anybody who's won the lottery. So let me put that out there. But I imagine, I know a lot of people who buy lottery tickets every week dozens of them every week. And I imagine when somebody finally does hit a big number, let's say even like a thousand dollars, I bet they spent a thousand dollars to get the thousand dollar win. You know, I mean, it's, it's because they're, they're constantly playing a lottery and then all of a sudden you're lucky. Now if it's lucky, you just played the odds. You can't can't spend in the money, you can spend in the money. So I I don't think it's random at all. I, I, or or I don't think it's as random as, as, uh, or it's far more random than, than what people give it credit to. And it's, it's disingenuous mm-hmm. and people, I think use the whole you're lucky and I'm unlucky thing as an excuse to be mediocre. It's an excuse to not do anything. It's an excuse to sit on your couch and it's an excuse to sit on your butt. It's an excuse to ignore all those great creative ideas that you get in your head. And listen, I really, you know, when Steven Tyler was like the lead singer of Aerosmith was, it's the weirdest person to learn something from, but he was talking about his writing process. I've been one, I'm a writer and I have been writing since I was eight years old. I love telling stories. I love figuring stories out. I love storyline. I love reading and researching the storyline and figuring out how to tell a good story. I love it. It's super fun to me. I can be anybody I want if I grab a pencil. I mean, anybody in any situation. Steven Tyler was talking about because they were asking him about his writing process. And he said, every idea I get, I write down. Good, bad, I understand it, I don't understand it, I write it down. And the reason I write it down is because I know that if I don't write it down, I won't remember it. And the reason I won't remember it is because the creative God is taking it away from me. Mm. 
The creative God just went, hey, I got this idea for you. And I go, yeah, that sounds good, but it's not good enough for me to write down. Well, screw you. I'm off to the next songwriter who wants to be a hit musician. Yeah. I mean, think about that. I mean, it's, what a great concept. And you know what I started doing? I'm writing everything I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true because, because like if you have an idea and it's absurd, like and I was in this entrepreneur class and, and we, we called it um, – diverging ideas and converging ideas and and the diverging was just like you, you just we just kind of like threw items out just like you just threw items at the wall or just just of ideas of problems that could be solved and you know if if you throw a bad idea out and i throw a bad idea out maybe there's something in those two bad ideas that becomes a good idea. And so you don't know that if you're not throwing out all the bad ideas. And then, and so you're just throwing everything out to see what sticks this big white net. And then you go, Oh wow, here's a whole bunch of ideas. Like what can we kind of take it back in with that? And that becomes the convergence of ideas. It's like, Hey, of all these bad ideas, let's, let's start finding some good and maybe something really great is going to come out of all this, this craziness. So I think that's a, that's a good idea. I, I did want to go back to, to luck and a little bit about, about your story. So, you know, if somebody met you today, like I'm meeting you today, I'm on your website, you got a suit on, I see you on the screen, you're professional, you're a management coach, you're, you're, you look like, Hey, this guy's just been, in the trenches of course he's he's a management coach he's he's he plays the part he's probably got um the pedigree to to be there and especially for people that are coming through a, a blue collar management role and they don't realize I, I i think the thing is too is when you're a good worker you're a good producer and you become a manager that's that's hard transition to make because you're always like well you know, back to your housekeeping thing, like I could clean that bathroom a certain way. Okay. Well, if I tell somebody to clean it a certain way, like it's going to take me longer to tell them to do it. So I'll just do it. I'll just do it myself in your your transitioning. But, you know, looking at your, your story is, you, you know, you've been there, um, and and rose you've you've did the grind that other people did like you talked about you know somebody didn't have a high school degree i'm looking at your your bio you i quit know, high school at 16 i didn't graduate high school so you know you have that same story that makes you relatable like how do you teach people to to be relatable um especially in your industry how do you kind of like if i went into your classroom the first day i'm probably gonna be intimidated by you do you do you lead with this story of who you are I generally don't. I more I more talk about the person, the people in the room. I generally don't talk about myself that much. But I think I've got. I think I have both the best and the worst story. You know, on on the surface of things, right now, you're looking at me right now. I'm. I, I own my own business. I've written three books that have done pretty well. I do an awful lot of work with executives. I, I love what I do. I mean, I get. I wake up in the morning thinking and reading and writing about management. I go to bed thinking, reading and writing about, I love the field of study. I just think it's so fantastic. You know, you know what a manager is? A manager is a superhero. Mm-hmm. We are superheroes. I love being a superhero. I just simply love it. I, you're giving somebody the ability to help change somebody else's life for the good. You can, you can be that type of person who makes people's lives miserable. That's what happens with power. You do have the ability to go either way, but I work with good-hearted people who are trying to help people get better and do better and get more. And so, I mean, I don't have a, I could not be in a better profession. 
And so you look at that and you're like, oh my God, you must be lucky. You must, I mean, everything must have aligned with you. And here's the truth. When I think of my past, I'm a little pissed off about it because I should be 10 years ahead of where I am right now. Had I had my act together when I was 16. And I know the, the idea of having your act together at 16 is ridiculous, but I was raised a victim. I grew up with a victim mentality. And you know, it, it's not, it's, it's not a, a rich thing, poor thing. It's simply, uh, that's what my parents' lot in life is. They always thought things were happening to them. They had very little control over anything. My parents, neither one of my parents were ever in charge of anything at work. They were always the subordinate. And so I got raised by two people who hated managers, Mm -hmm. literally hated anybody in authority. And when you drill down and go like, why did they hit? It's because they were always taken advantage of. They were always manipulated. They didn't have good bosses. They didn't have people who were looking out for their best interests. Nobody cared where they lived or what their kind of neighborhood they were coming from, you know? And so I grew up hating authority too, questioning authority too, thinking that this is all for me. It wasn't until I was 20, 21 years old, 22 years old that, I mean, I had, Every turn I tried to, to make, I, I like, oh, you know, I feel like I'm smarter than being a day laborer. Mm-hmm. And then I would go try to apply for a job that was smarter than a day laborer. And they would look at my resume, which was nothing, no call, no high school diploma, not even a GED. I had zero. You know, my handwriting was terrible. My reading comprehension wasn't very good. I mean, I had a ninth grade education, you know. And they were like, uh, you can lift those blocks over there and move them over there, but that's the extent of your skill set. And I thought, well, I'm just going to be pissed off like everybody else because I think I deserve more than that, but apparently I don't because I was born into this and you know that reaching any other level above a laborer is beyond my, my control. I don't have any control over it. Then one day... I was going for a job interview and I'm going up over this mountain in Vermont. My car overheats. Of course it overheats. It starts to snow. Of course it starts to snow, right? Like, could it be worse for me, right? It's just terrible. And I'm sitting on the side of the road waiting for my car to cool off. I turn on the radio and there's no radio station. So I'm just flipping, flipping, flipping. This is in, you know, 1989, 1990, 91. And I find there's this guy who comes on the radio show on the radio and he is yelling at a caller. I literally turned it on in mid conversation. And he's like, you live in the greatest country in the world. If you don't like where you are change, you don't like where you live, move. You don't like who you're with, get someone else to be with. You don't have enough education. You don't have any education. That's your fault. And the great thing is you can do something about it. Like he was talking legit to me. And I was like, maybe I can change all this. Maybe this isn't how I have to live. Maybe I can do more. That guy was rush Limbaugh. Of all people, <laughs> swear to God, and he truly saved my life. Like he true, like I was like, okay. I started listening to him religiously, and even if you're listening to even if you're listening to him today, and I'm I'm not trying to get polit- political at all. I'm just trying to say he is 100 the type of person who says you deserve more. You're right. You do deserve more. And the great news, you can go get it. You, nobody's stopping you. Mm-hmm. Put your boots on earlier. You know, somebody's beating you to the line, then you get up earlier than them. Somebody, somebody's staying later, you stay later. You know, somebody's working harder, you can outwork them. The library is free. Mm-hmm. I mean, can, the concept that the library is free. I mean, nowadays, we don't even have to go to the library. Everything's at our fingertips. But the idea that you can go to the library and get an education, 
I went to the library and I got a GED. <laughs> I went to the library and I and I got an associate's degree from Community College of Vermont in creative writing, which I always wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I went to the library. I got a bachelor's degree in U.S. history. I went back to the library. I got a bachelor's degree in business administration. I got a master's in organizational leadership without a high school diploma. Because at one point, I finally stopped going, I'm just unlucky. Yeah. I think that's what right. I used to think. You're, you're, when you talk about like, um, you're able to, to, to change your lot in life. And I think, you know, some people think like you have to do big, tremendous things, but it starts with just, just small little things. Like, you know, you have the ability to get, to get on the internet right now and, and find out information about anything that you have possible interest in. And so you just, you just start kind of, you know, I, I have, a, I have, a, I can either accept that life happens to me and accept that this is my lot in life and, and be, be proud and be like, I'm too good. Like I deserve more, but I'm too proud to do the work to, to, to earn that more. You know, you could, you, you could say like, you know, I'm not good. I'm, I'm better than lifting blocks and moving them from one spot to the other, but I don't want to put in the work to, deserve more than that. Like, like I believe I'm more than this, but nobody else, you know, people see my values. This is what you can do. So if you want to do more of that, you're going to have to put yourself out there and do more and you can start doing that. It doesn't have to be like, Oh, I have to get my master's degree day one to go from lifting blocks to this, but it can just be like, Hey, just spend a few minutes learning about it. Something that's a skill that you have an interest in that you could do something with. And you learn a little bit and you just kind of like make two millimeter shifts do, do 30 minutes a week, do an hour a week, you know, an hour a week over, you know, 52 weeks is 50 hours. So if he said, Hey, you know, I don't have a week to work on something, go, you do, it's an hour a week for, for a year. And, and over time that's going to build up and, and maybe you can do a little bit more and a little bit more, and it's going to take you in places that, that are going to lead to more opportunities. And, and I think it's just really just going, Hey, if, if, if you're questioning where you're at in life and you want to do more is, you don't have to have it figured out. You can just start walking in that direction. Just start moving towards something and more things are going to kind of uh, come into your life that are, they're going to take you down this path and help you discover who it is. And you're going to be further in life. And then instead of waking up five years ago and man, I should have done something like I wish I'd started sooner. You're going to, you're going to be, I'm a, I'm, maybe you didn't make it yet, but you're going to have a better base. And so like now when you want to get serious with it, you're, you're ready to go. And so I it just, I love that, that idea of like, Hey, you know, it spoke to you, um, you know, where the message comes from. It, it's, you know, it's totally really, irrelevant as long as you get the message. I think exactly. And um, yeah. you have a calling it and you've, you've definitely, you know, if, if, I would be leading with that if I was coaching people <laughs> in management, because it's like, Hey, you know, you, you're up here thinking I'm this guy, like, like your, your parents probably like, Oh, here's the boss going to tell me how I can, uh, how I should be you know, yeah. who's this guy. But like, no, I'm you. I was exactly. you sitting in that chair with a chip on my shoulder thinking I didn't want to do something, but maybe, maybe they're not you. Maybe they're a little bit better than you because they've made a decision to be in that chair and to learn that mm-hmm. like, Hey, I don't want to be the guy scrubbing toilets. I want to be, I want to become a manager. I want to move up 
in the world. And I'm sure I'm, you know, you're, you're, you're helping people with management other than just people moving from entry to. Yeah, but it's the same thing. I, it's the same thing. I do a whole mirror test. I, I'll, I'll pull a mirror out. Or I'll bring you to a bathroom once we start that whole conversation, because I think it's a relevant, necessary conversation you have to have. The only problem is you're supposed to be having it with you, not mainly with me. People say, you know, I should, I deserve a lot more than this. I'm like, no, 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 hold on. Wait, hold that thought. You're absolutely right. Where the hell's a mirror? All right, look in that mirror. Say it again. I deserve more. You, you talk to you because you're the one in charge of you. Mm-hmm. You do deserve more. You should get more money. You know, I mean, I have employees constantly coming to me and say, how do I get a raise? I mean, you know, I've worked here for two years. We haven't gotten any raise at all. How do you get a raise? I'm like, you want to know how to get a raise? It's so easy. Anybody listening to this podcast, I'm going to tell you right now, if you really want to raise, you're serious about it. It's easy. Stop needing management oversight. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Managers are super expensive. And the only reason we hire managers is because we cannot rely on you to do your job without somebody looking over your shoulder. If you don't need somebody to look over your shoulder, we're going to give you more money, hands down. By the way, we're probably going to ask you to become a manager because <laughs> that's what we look for. We look for people who don't need management. And we go, have you ever thought about being a manager? <laughs> yeah. But but it's true. You know, if you show up every day, you do the work, um, you do what you're supposed to do, you're, you're going to progress in life. The other one I always think about in my, my career is like when I've gotten ahead, it's because of it, I've made the ask too. you know, you have to ask for more. And so if you, if you just sit it there going, man, I always get passed up for promotions. I, I like I'm not getting raises. I'm not getting stuff. Are you asking the right questions? You know, and you say, okay, yes, I, I, I'm not asking. I didn't ask for a raise. I didn't ask for promotion. I didn't ask for more responsibility. I didn't ask for more training then you need to start asking for that because that's going to start giving you build up. But if you, if you are asking those questions and the answer is no, consistently no, then you look at yourself and say, do I, do I deserve a yes or do I deserve a no? And if the answer is like, well, I probably don't deserve a yes yet. Well, what can I do to make it so I can get a yes? But if I deserve a yes and I'm not getting a yes, the, you know, you don't have to stay in your lot in life. There's other places you could go. So start looking for people that are going to say yes to you. You're, you're going to have skills that people are going to value. And, and so look for, look for ways that you can get to a yes. So cool. The other thing, let me just touch on that real quick, because it's also about the industry you're in. I mean, let's look at a barber. Let's look at a barber. And let's say that you can pay a barber $12 an hour to cut hair eight hours a day. And in that eight hours, the barber can really only cut hair about every 30 minutes. And you take an hour out for breaks, that's really only 15 haircuts. Mm-hmm. There isn't much more than that. They, they can't cut more than 15 hairs, right? I mean, that's it. That's the extent that they can do. That limits their ability to produce income. Mm-hmm. It, they only have two choices, either try to get more people, try to cut more hair in less time or charge more for haircuts, right? That's it. If you want to get a raise, that's it. But even doing both of those, you're going to reach a threshold. Nobody's going to pay $1,000 a haircut. Mm-hmm. They're just not, right? And you're not going to be able to charge $1,000 a haircut and spend only 15 minutes doing the hair. <laughs> you have to have some realistic expectations of what you make an actor who spends six months on a job site shooting a movie could make millions, which means their hourly rate could be hundreds of thousands of dollars an hour. 
a housekeeper could be a housekeeper for 30 years, the best housekeeper you've ever met and won't make above minimum wage. Mm-hmm. It's the industry as well. So it's not, I just want to say like, it's not because we don't value the person. I have a lot of housekeepers, a lot of people who work for me, a lot of managers who work for me who I totally think have earned, uh, could or should, should get more money, produce enough value to earn more money, should mm-hmm. get paid more. But I also work in an industry, there is no more money. Yeah. There is no more. What, what can I do? What can I, when you're tapped out, you're tapped out. So you have to decide, is this, in, all right, so this industry, only the, the top end of this industry only pays this much. If you're looking for more than this much, you, you choose another industry. Mm-hmm. It's not about value. Yeah. Right. But, like but I don't think you have to have a, a limiting belief that like I I'm I'm only a, a hair cutter. I've only done this. I can't do more. No, I can't, man, I, you, man, you and you can find ways to to go, okay, you know, like you said, how could I how can I serve more people? You know, like if you if you're the if you're the best barber in town and you're capped out people give you 15 bucks for a haircut and that you can only do 15 a day like that's capped out but you know that's what you could you could show people you could show people you know your skills and stuff like that and do it's do youtube videos but, you're, but you're, you're just you're you're legit going where i'm saying you're saying you could change jobs you could change roles you can still stay in the hair industry but you yes. got to be now something other than just a hair cutter yes it's, that's that's all i'm saying like in housekeeping I have people who have been I have people who have been working for for this company for 30 years and haven't gotten a raise in five years and they're very upset and they don't understand why they don't deserve a raise. And the truth is they do deserve a raise. Mm-hmm. Anybody who spends 30 years in, in a, at a position deserves some more money, five years without a raise. That does seem like an awful long time. The truth does not, however, equate for there is no more money. Mm-hmm. There isn't any. So okay, you deserve, but there is, so, you know, you got to kind of take that with a grain of salt. And that's a tough thing for people to hear. Like you are at the top end that you're ever going to make. This is it in this industry. I think, I think your message is right though, is like, you know, you, you, everybody has it within their abilities to change and decide if, if where they're at, if they want to accept it or do something different to, to, try a little bit more, you know, and it's harder The the longer you've been in a, in a position with, with, you know, a certain level of income and certain level of expenses you have at home and a certain career history. And the older you get, the harder it becomes for you to say, Hey, I'm going to try something new. Um, and that's why I think the two millimeter shift is, is helpful in that spot, especially if you've been in a role for a long time is you don't have to throw everything out. You can just kind of explore and see what happens. And, you know, if you, if you were um, able to get just, you know, a thousand extra bucks a year from, you know, figuring out how to make a YouTube video, like would that change your life? What if you did that only 15 minutes a week, you know, and what if you did it 30 and you could do 2000 and like, also you go, Hey, I don't have to do a lot to make a big difference in my life. And then five years later you go, Holy crap. Like I'm in a position now where I can, I can choose to stay what I'm doing and I have this on the side or I could maybe decide to do this thing on the side as my full-time thing and help people that 
were in the position I was at. Like it, it's a way to just kind of, you know, continuously grow, continuously help. And it's a cool thing. So I have a question for you. Yeah. How, how do you define being all in on an idea or an outcome? Burn the ships. <laughs> Take away all your ability to do anything else. Yeah. Take away your ability to do anything else. So, you know, what's, what's a great example, I think, is I picked up running. I used to weigh 350 pounds. I used to be quite a drinker. I was, uh, I was very much unhealthy, unhappy, or, you know, the whole thing. And I started walking and because you couldn't a 350 pounds run anywhere. I certainly couldn't, but I would, I would try to make it like, like, uh, how, how far do you walk? How far do you run? And I thought the best thing for me to do, like, let's say I have to go for a 30 minute walk. The best thing for me to do is to walk 15 minutes away from my house. And then when I find myself 15 minutes away from my house, I'm all in going home, Mm -hmm. which means I'm walking 15 minutes back. <laughs> I take that same attitude today when I run. I run ultra marathons. I do. I've ran 75 full marathons. I've done three Ironmans. I mean, I'm legit running. And I am an out and back guy. I will go 10 miles out. I'm like, I'm going to run 10 miles out that direction. You know what that means? It means I have to run 10 miles home. I got to get home. Yeah. I'm running in the woods. I can't call Uber. <laughs> you know? So you've got that's all in when you can take away all the just all put yourself in an uncomfortable position. Put yourself in an uncomfortable position. The chair I am sitting in right now is new and it's comfortable and it has little side arms on it and it adjusts. It goes up and down. It swivels back and forth. I just got it. My wife. I just got married in November, and my wife. When we were moving in together, she made me buy this new chair because she didn't want me to take my wooden chair with me. I had this old wooden chair, very uncomfortable, unstable. You couldn't put all your weight in it. You had to kind of sit, have, I'm like, listen, I wrote three books in that chair. I started my company in that chair. And the whole point is that chair was super uncomfortable. So it means every time I was at my desk working, every time I was at my desk writing, I was uncomfortable. I was always squirming and moving and trying not to put all my weight on one side so the seat doesn't collapse underneath me. That thing really, really made it possible for me to be really good because it put me in a position where I was uncomfortable. I was all in. If you're all in, you're all in. If you're all comfortable, you put me in a lazy boy, I am just going to be lazy boy. Right? You got to be all in now. You're going to make yourself uncomfortable. That's what I say. Yes. That's a, that's a awesome, awesome definition of, of being all in. It's just the point of no return. Like – we can't turn back. We're we're going for it. We're not going to get comfortable. We're not resting on our laurels. It's, it's just we're going to take this thing to the end. So, Ralph, where can people find you if they want to work with you? Uh, but before you answer that, let me ask you: Who, if 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 somebody wanted to work with you, if you were going to reach out and to to say, "Hey, this is my ideal person that I want to work with," who who is that person? What's that avatar look like? Actually, it's the person who is in charge of recruiting, hiring, and training other managers. So it's somebody at a level who's not a frontline manager, but above frontline managers. So my sweet spot is I help managers train managers. So it's from that view. So if you're an administrator, I work in long-term care. So most of my clients are, are administrators, people who run nursing homes. Those are mostly my, my clients. I have a couple people who I coach 
who are frontline managers. It, that is a thing. If you're a frontline manager and you're struggling, especially if you're new, the only trouble there is a lot of times they don't have the experience or the ability to do some of the things that their manager does have to make it easier for them. Mm-hmm. And so I work with their managers because I'm trying to make it, trying to break everything down to make it easier for them. So people who are above managers who are constantly trying to put people, put new managers in, promote new managers. That's, that's who I work with. Excellent. Okay. So then where can people find you if they want to work with you? The, it's just ralphpeterson.com. You can find everything about me at ralphpeterson.com. I have a management school online. I have a management services company, but ralphpeterson.com is you can find everything there. Yep, that's it. The keynotes, the consulting, everything, the books, yeah. the podcasts. So exactly. everything's everything right there. Exactly. That'll all be in everybody's show notes. So Ralph, appreciate you coming on the show, talking a lot of uh, interesting topics, and you're very passionate about it. And uh, I love your story of you know really realizing it was in your control to to change your life, and and you're showing others how they can do that too. You're making a, a big impact in the world. I appreciate you having me on. If I could, if I could just say one thing before I go, and that is that. One of the biggest challenges we have, not just in this country, but in the entire world, is a lack of leadership. Lack of people saying, yes, I can. Yes, I will. I'll give it a try. Let me be in charge. Let me be responsible. And so I'm just making a public service announcement that we're hiring. Every industry, every place, I don't care where you go, if it's a gas station or the store or the school or the church or the hospital, it doesn't matter where it is, they are looking for good people to step up and say, I will be responsible. Managers at all levels, it's super hard. It is very challenging. It's harder than you think. It takes a lot more work than you think. It's going to take a lot more time to be successful than you think it would. But it is the most rewarding job in the entire world. When you can help people be successful, when you can be a hero, it's the best job. So if you ever thought about being a manager, look into it. If you don't know any, how to even start, get a hold of me. I'll tell you how to start. But truly, we're, we have a shortage of people who will step up and be responsible. So we need it. Yes, definitely. Definitely. If you're somebody that can get things done and, and help show other people how to get things done, there's always, there's always somebody that's going to value that and pay you for it. Awesome. Yeah, so thank you so much, Ralph, for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you. Make sure to visit our website, therealnatepayo.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode of All In. While you're at it, if you found value, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or if simply tell two friends about the show. Looking to connect? You can find Nate Payo on LinkedIn or Instagram.